Happy Tuesday. Why, hello and good morning. <laughs> it is, in fact, Tuesday, and it is, in fact, January the 29th, and that means that it's uh, Doxology Day and all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, and almost February. <laughs> almost fe- <laughs> It is almost February. <laughs> almost February means that we're two weeks from winter tea. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks from winter tea. I, and I actually said that. With Excitedly. joy. You, yes, you had joy in your I did. face. I, thank you. Okay, you, good. You had joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> there was joy in your voice. Yeah. <clears throat> We're so excited that winter tea is so soon and that we have such a lovely uh, portion of family that have chosen to come. What a blessing. And I don't know who they are. Yeah, and you don't know who they are. <laughs> so I won't name names, of course. Thank you. But yeah. um, we're just grateful everyone's coming. And uh, that just to continue to remind everyone to register yes. if you are coming and we don't know it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and when I say I'm excited about winter tea, like that that was a surprise. It's not like winter tea itself. It's It's these moments that lead up to winter tea because winter tea doesn't just mean... Getting to be with the people we love, it means a new book is coming out. <laughs> and so... That's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I've had some miraculous, majestic things <laughs> in the yes. past days. And so, um, you know, I've talked a lot about just the, the writhing of writing for the books <laughs> and you know what I've really discovered every writer with the deadline is in that place I think for me I my deficiencies get so highlighted and so one of those is just typing and you know I just end up right back in my high school typing class with those sinister smiley faces on the keys <laughs> and not having any idea what was actually under there. and <laughs> Sinister smiley faces sounds like a movie. That's that's really <laughs> hardcore. I didn't know that they did that. Sinister smiley faces. Well, wow. they were just little smiley faces. They're just sinister when this task before you is so treacherous. So, you know, now I have a typewriter. It's one of my favorite things. You got it for me. Mm. And I do special little things on it, but I don't need to do that fast. I need to be accurate, but it, you know, now you wouldn't, that typewriter, you wouldn't type, you're not going for speed, you no, know. No. <laughs> Accuracy if you're lucky. Yeah, you're going for <clears throat> uniqueness and novelty, <clears throat> so, but in typing class, it was about speed, and I almost couldn't be a cheerleader anymore, which was my one great thing from high school, was cheerleading. And I almost couldn't because I just, it, you know, I was close to not, this is so sad, I was close to not passing the class. I didn't mean for this to be a confessional, but That's here awesome. we are. Right. And so, I mean, like, I had to do all, like, it was my, oh, the thorn in my side, but I had to do more, like, to get extra credit just to get, not just a passing grade, but one that wouldn't bring my, you know... GPA down and all that kind of thing. And so, <laughs> yes. So I, I find the deficiencies in myself. And so part of it, I spend, you know, probably 80%, not of writing, but just of the books, is like trying to get comfortable. Like, oh, this surface is too high. This surface is too low. I'm like the Goldilocks of authors. I don't know. 
So I tried to find the comfortable spot where I can do this, where I can type well. That's what it is. It's not about my comfort. You know, I'm sure you would agree. We come, we come out of these writing revisions and editing like pretty sore, actually, physically. It's very physical, but anyway. So more than just a confessional, this is, this is a testimonial of how Papa has saved us over and over and over again. Yes, we always know it will be completed. Um, and then, you know, we had a moment a few days ago. I was, I'll just say it this way, I was internally grumpy. So it wasn't, well, I don't know, you can probably say, it wasn't coming out as much. It wasn't as external. I don't even want you to say eternally grumpy. That's that's not okay. Cause no, externally, externally, not eternally. Okay. Oh, no, Praise no. God. I cannot okay. be eternally grumpy, but yes, externally no. grumpy. Yes. I don't think it was external. It was more internal because I was, I was grumpy at me. Mm. And so I, I said to you, I need a miracle, but I'm too grumpy for one. <laughs> and you fortunately weren't like, girl... You are grumpy. Like, you really weren't aware <laughs> of what what was happening on the inside. And you said, so you can't have a miracle if you're grumpy? And I was like, no, you can, but I don't want one when I'm grumpy. I don't want this miracle to make me feel better. I want to find better. I want to be better. And then, and then he can bring a miracle, you know, and so I, I go through, just press through, just, you know, I backspace more than I actually forward type, if that makes sense, <laughs> like, every word, like, I don't know, if, if the keys are on the upper row, every word ends up with a three or a four in it, I don't know why, and so I, you know, and I turn autocorrect off, because it corrects words that are not incorrect but then you don't have it for the incorrect words so anyway I you know I have not pushed or plowed through I have praised through this chapter which was really precious to me to get the edits done and and actually have no typos and so anyway I get to the end and it's time to to save again like because you do that all the way through because and uh, anyway, I'm going to hit save, and I hit close. And so my file closes, so I've saved throughout, but I had a good five or six edited pages that now could have disappeared. And so I just, I really had this moment with Papa and Jesus no, should I? I just, the whole Trinity was with me, just of thanking, thanking the fullness of the Lord for letting me do this, for letting me see my deficiencies, for letting me see my need, you know, in the most mundane thing, you know, of typing and, and letting that, that place bring forth a miracle so I just am doing that, and, you know, there were tears and things. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I'm just going to pull it up. And I pull that chapter up, and not a, not a thing was lost. Not a word, not an edit. And so that was my miracle. Miracle. Mm-hmm. Merkel. 
Markle. It's, you know, it's, it's a reality as we move on. It's such a reality that, that we as Americans do tend to be casual in our speaking. And I love that about us. We are casual in our speaking. We are. So, because we don't like to say Markle the letter. Markle America. We don't like to say the... <laughs> Nobody understood what that Whatever was. letters they are. It's T. We don't like T uh -uh. for some reason because it's too formal. And yeah. so we don't a say... A D feels much more relaxed <laughs> instead of a T. Oh, 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 gotcha. Yeah, it does. Which is why so we, say we say water. water. Yeah. yeah. Well, we also say winter tea. And so is... is oh, that, oh, yeah. Winter is there, tea. Is there a loser tea? Because <laughs> we're not... It's true. We're not going to have a loser tea. We yeah. have a winter tea. We do say winter tea. So wow. the tea is... The tea in the winter is when we win. <laughs> yeah. And, and we are really praying for for winter green tea, you know... We've been saying it's cold here, and I'm not going to say that after knowing that Chicago will be the same temperature as Antarctica. Yes, that seems today. extreme, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems selfish to say anything about our temperatures so, here right now. Yeah, 18 degrees Fahrenheit is not so bad. No, not really. Okay. Well, you know, one of the cool things um, that Papa was just doing over the last few days, as we have been editing, with a T, editing... <laughs> See, that um, just sounds weird. I know it does, but that's okay. We've been editing the um, <laughs> the book Terraforming Communion, and Woo! it's nice because we've been going through these chapters from last year and getting to see mm -hmm. some of the things that Papa said and re reminding ourselves of what God has given us to steward. And, um, and that's something that's a little buried in this, but I really hope everyone can take is that that what Papa is saying right now is really something for us to steward. And so we are, um, I think, in sort of a revival of remembering all of the things that Papa has said to us and reconciling ourselves in a, in a Shabbat candle kind of way to all the things he has said. And one of the things that really stu stood out to me as I was going through chapter one, which is faithful and true, is that, um, is that what God said is that he is the amen. And uh, that amen is a Hebrew word built of an aleph, of mem, and of nun. And that, of course, we had the whole story about birthing our own destiny, which is the coolest thing ever. Um, because whenever we say the word Amen, we're actually saying two things. The first being um, the, the word that is faithful and true. And the word that is faithful and true is Aman, which is the same root word as Amen. So we again have an Aleph, a Mem, and a Nun. And so with both of those words, we're saying faithful and true. And we're saying, hey, God is going to successfully birth the destiny of the maturing sons and daughters of God. And so every time we say amen, that's what we're saying. Well, one of the things that really stood out to me uh, as we as I was going through this editing process, and I shared this with the Immersionauts yesterday, is just how extensively <clears throat> Jesus taught throughout his entire ministry and and described for us how desperately we needed Jesus. And and that that we know and, and we've covered this, but it's good to remember. 
but it's it's very simply that Jesus was not only describing our uh, inability to be eternal, selfless, unconditional love, if for no other reason, because we as humans have a beginning, but also because humanity chose selfishness and we have been on a trajectory of selfishness, but that's why God intervened. God gave us Jesus to change that trajectory so that we could choose Jesus and have God as our source and therefore have salvation. But what's so amazing is is that God then, once we are in covenant with God, he doesn't stop, but he invites us, he calls us to more covenant. He calls us deeper. If we so choose, we all have that choice of a deepening relationship with God. And there's all of the covenant that comes with each one. And so, of course, from servant to friend, friend to children with inheritance, and then from uh, maturing children to the bride. But within that, there's the covenant of of whether we get married, and if so, to who. There's a covenant of where we live. There's a covenant of whether we have a job, and if so, with what, mm-hmm. with what you know, our own business, or what do we do, where we go to church. All of these things are covenants, and there's, there's a, a covenant journey that we're on. And so one of the things that was crucial to God, crucial that in Jesus' teaching, was our faithfulness to those covenants. Mm. So not only are we saved, but if we are faithful to covenant, then we produce fruit. And fruit is how we affect the world. It's how all of these people get impacted by our lives. And it was so precious to Jesus that he talked about good fruit many times throughout his uh, ministry and you see that and if you are looking at a religion and not a relationship you could feel very condemned by the things Jesus was saying it's like well if you're not producing fruit I'm going to throw that branch into the fire and of course that makes it feel like oh gosh that means we're going to hell if we're not fruitful so we've got this big burden of fear and that's what the religion is based upon is the burden of fear but the whole time this was the gospel the gospel was how the requirement of holiness is so beyond us that we cannot do it. And that's why we needed Jesus to be our salvation from, from d- decay and death. But guess what? Jesus is also our salvation from unfaithfulness to the mm-hmm. covenants that we have chosen. And so when Malachi said that unfaithfulness causes violence to our first love. Unfaithfulness causes a piercing in the heart of God, like we stabbed the heart of God when we're unfaithful. Well, that's a sobering thing for a maturing son or daughter of God, but there's more to that story because, yeah, it does hurt God. Yes, he does have feelings. Yes, it does cause pain to him. But And yes, Jesus even quoted Malachi and said that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence because of unfaithfulness, not because we're supposed to take our inheritance from heaven, but because that's our unfaithfulness in God. When we are unfaithful to covenant, we are trying to take something in, and we're actually being unfaithful. But what um, what Jesus is saying to us, the gospel of Jesus, is that if we receive Jesus, we have salvation. If we, through Jesus, receive God as our source of everything, then God 
is the faithful and true in our lives. Which means that that when we choose God every day in our daily bread to be our faithful and true, then we are faithful to our covenants because we have chosen God as our source. God will be our provider. So the gospel is a full menu of what must be for us to be holiness and the fact that God provides all that we need to meet that holiness, even the faithfulness and the truth to the covenant we chose. And so we're, we're choosing the covenant, but every day we're still led to choice. And that choice is, will we try to do it on our own Will we not even try to do it and just do our own thing? Mm -hmm. Or will we try to do it on our own? Or will we choose God as the amen in our lives? Mm -hmm. Because when we choose God as the amen in our lives, we're choosing him to be the faithful and true to the covenants that we have entered into. And now we have the fullness of the gospel. We have received the part of the gospel that, that we hadn't really accessed, which is, yeah, we've we got to be faithful and true to the covenants that we're in. Mm-hmm. But, but to do that is a choice of who will be our source today. Will, it be, will we not be faithful and true at all? Will we try to be faithful and true on our own? Or will we choose God, the Amen, to be our faithful and true? And now Revelation 1 makes all the sense in the world. God is the Amen. And Jesus actually said that. He said, I am the uh, Amen. I am the faithful and true. Why would Jesus say that? Because Jesus is glorified. And what he said, even on earth, is is that he and the Father are one. And so we, through our groom that we are betrothed to in a one flesh covenant, we are accessing the fullness of the Amen. Faithful and true in daily bread portions every single day. A journey that at the end of which we will have become everything we were created to be. And the fruit that changes the world, he will produce through us. And we're unified by that. Every person choosing God as our source in daily bread portions. That's his will, his way, is that we would choose him as our source every day of being the completion of our covenant. The faithful and true, the Amen the guarantee that God will give birth to the fullness of our destiny. Yeah, that's so good. So good. Well, um, alongside that, I've been just considering a lot the places that he provides and and the, the prodding the enemy does in those places to try to get us to leave the place of his provision. And so... Uh, Last night, I was editing um, one of the, it was winter tea, so it was the memento session of winter tea, so it was all about the barn, and our memento was a little barn, you know, and um, but the barn wasn't there yet, like we were still in the tent, and and we just had such gratitude for every person not just in that tent, but that had ever come to that tent, who had been with us, you know, who didn't wait until to come to the barn, but were with us while endearing. And and for so many um, of those moments, 
when we were gathered for winter to your AR in the tent and we're talking, we are talking about the barn and there is no evidence of it. That spot in, in the section of Arabah called Tabernacles was bare or barren. It did not look like it was going to actually ever sprout a barn, (laughs) (laughs) grow our gathering place. Yet, Everybody just had such hope for it, which sprang from our trusting him. You know, we had to trust when he said pause, you know, wait, all of those things as much as we got to trust him when he said go, move forward, because each had its own dynamic. And so sometimes I have a word that just kind of, I don't know, just kind of pokes around (laughs) and, uh, and uh, it, it causes me to be curious, and I can spend a lot of time on one word. And I, I recognize that, um, you know, I can probably get um, super, <laughs> super focused in my curiosity. And, and we've seen it, you know, we, we had a particular child who I won't say who I passed that curiosity to. And, you know... Years ago, I came upon, I'm not even going to say the gender, said child with a Windex bottle in their mouth, trying to spray it because they wondered, they were curious as to whether the blue water tasted like a lovely blue drink. Fortunately, they were too little in stature (laughs) or strength to to turn the nozzle to open so they didn't actually lock to unlock ingest of it but in those moments I'm like wow they get that from me so anyway because I can really not let something go but but there's such a a covenant (laughs) side to it so so in that place those places where he provides the barren place I've just always been so curious about that word because I I know the reality of it that can be you know it like that word seems to come with a conclusion of never fruitful and and I think it's even been just generation by generation like that's the one place you don't want to be is the barren place because it means never fruitful and so but I know how purposeful Papa is with words and the words he gave us and the words that he guides us with and he he draws us to and so I've I've always wanted to find the beauty of that word because I know he didn't create any of us as never fruitful and so I just went on a a little journey about those places this particular place he provides the barren place or what would be considered barren. So, um, you know, the first of those places is, um, you know, the Israelites when they are, they're basically on this 40 year sabbatical, meaning (laughs) they, they were intended to be in this place of rest where he could provide, you know, because that's how he provides the most And they're They're in the Sinai desert, which was considered a barren place. Like it was considered a place where food was difficult to find. You know, it wasn't just, um, 
you could you didn't just go on a hunting expedition and find the food. It was very difficult to to find sustenance there. And amazingly, when you think to the garden, he could have created us to be dependent on many different things, you know. Um, and there are n- numerous things that physically we depend on, water, um, air. <laughs> but food is also part of our design. We are designed to need to be reminded throughout every day that there's something we need to depend on. There's someone we need to depend on. And when I think when we lose sight of that or are frustrated by that, that's when that's when things can seem barren. So so by the Israelites' design, they need to be fed. They need to be watered, you know? And so he created us with this need to depend. And so they're in this place that um seems barren and they're in this moment, you know, much like the one Esau found himself in where they're they're willing to actually trade their freedom not even for food that's laid before them that they can smell like Esau smelling that lentil soup, you know, and um and he's like his hunger is greater than his dependency, you know, his need to feed himself you know, to fulfill himself is greater than his desire to depend on the Lord. And so the Israelites are here and they're thinking of the food of Egypt and they're like willing to trade the freedom that they don't yet understand for the food of the past. And, you know, there were, there were good foods in Egypt, but the truth is they were slaves, you know? So, I mean, I can imagine, you know, everything wasn't the tastiest, you know, affair that they were given, but just the memory of this food that they didn't have to wait for, you know, they knew as slaves, okay, the slop is coming, you know, at this time, this time, and this time. And, um, in, in that, the barren place, is where God wanted to grow their dependence on Him. And that journey in the barren place is, will we let our dependence on Him be what grows? And when we do, when we can, that's when, that's when the food and the water, all the, all the things we need um, come. And so just looking at that, just the place of letting him grow our dependence and our trust, it's, that's what the barren place does. And it's not the never fruitful, it's the growing fruit place. There is something growing there. And I was thinking of the, the portion of Ezekiel. Oh gosh, and I think that's, it might be Ezekiel 43, but if it's not, don't be, don't be mad. Don't be mad about it. Um, (laughs) But Ezekiel is telling this story of abundance, really, so provision, but 
not just provision, but abundant provision from an unlikely source. And so he speaks of the place where Jerusalem meets the Dead Sea. And so, you know, the Dead Sea, of course, couldn't sustain life. Um, There was too much um, salt (laughs) for anything to live. And so this is this place Ezekiel is describing as a place of provision, a place where nothing can live, where basically nothing can grow. And, but yet, he's in prophecy talking about this very place where life will flow. And so he's, he's talking about birth from barren. And so he's, he's just talking about the miracle of water flowing um, from the temple again, which is the temple to come, but it's the temple of us. And so, um, so when, <clears throat> when fresh water meets this, um, water that just has too much salinity in it, it creates this different kind of water. It's called brackish water. And, um, actually this meeting, this intersection, it creates a place, the salinity changes of the the water in the Dead Sea, and it creates a place where fish gather and thrive. So from the barren is birthed abundance Mm -hmm. because it's the place where he grows our dependency and our trust. Um, And it was in this prophecy where Ezekiel's describing this that he says nothing is impossible when the power of God is present. And so it just goes back. Are we our source of power? Are we what we are most connected to? Or is he our powerhouse? Is he the covenant place we go to to receive um, and to allow really power? Because if we are fighting for ourselves, he has no room. And uh, so I just, I really love that he would just so visually describe this place where nothing should be able to come forth. Never fruitful. There will never be fruit from barren places, but barren places are actually where some of the most impossible, incredible things can be birthed. Um, And so then I was um, just drawn to Matthew because there was a scripture in one of the chapters yesterday I was editing that it just really reminded me. So this is from Matthew 13. And what I love about this, so Matthew 13, so it is just a womb of parables, basically. I mean, like, there are so many parables in Matthew 13. So it's this womb of ways he's inviting us to live and to be. And so this is you know, farther down, it's uh, verse 52. And in understanding about Matthew, he understood something being birthed from Baron because his gospel um, is considered a bridge between the Old and the New Testament. And one of the things that he did, so you have this silent period of time. And though it was silent, 
it was seated, you know, that, that silent place, that place of, of rest and yieldedness allowed so much seed to come. So Matthew takes that silent period and he brings sound from it once more because there hadn't been stories of miracles or angels or any of those things for for quite a period of time. I don't remember how many years that is, but hundreds of years. Um, maybe 400, but I may be thinking of uh, the Israelites and different things at Joshua. But anyway, <laughs> um, so it's been a very long time of silence and, and Matthew draws the sound out of it. And because he was such a, um, such a connector of the Old Testament and the New, um, he's, he brings forth the old things and the new. And that's, that's what this scripture says, Matthew thirteen fifty two. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom, that phrase, disciple in the kingdom, means that has become led by the Holy Spirit of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storehouses new treasures as well as old. And that that is what comes from those barren spaces where we wait, where we grow, where there is something growing. It is us. And if we try to leave, if we beg deliverance from that place that seems bald, you know, and bare, we miss, we miss growing where he placed us. If we start trying to fight for where we want to be positioned and miss where we're placed, there's this exponential growth that we just stunt, that we just don't allow to be nurtured and receive nutrients and to grow any longer. And Matthew, you know, this, he because of who he was, he wasn't just speaking to this audience right before him. He was speaking across, you know, every segment, every um, station of life. He was speaking Jew, Gentile. He was speaking to those who were yet to be reconciled of this reconciling coming. It was like this culmination of, of Genesis to Revelation, like all of this is for you. All of this is part of your storehouse. All of this is what you will grow in. We're not abolishing anything. We're completing. We're um, carrying. We're the heirs of this. And we're going to carry it from the beginning to the end. And um, really made the truth of, of barren places being where great fruit comes. Yeah. Amen. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a footnote. So, so. <clears throat> needle pulling thread. Yes. So we uh, we are uh, in the midst of not finding joy in all there is to do in the next few weeks, but enjoying all we're getting to do each and every day. And so <laughs> we're grateful to all of you because your encouragements and comments and emails and texts and things like that really do keep us keep us moving so thank you
Amen. <laughs> we love you guys. Yeah, and we will talk to you next week and hopefully see many, many, many of you soon. Very, very soon. Bye. Bye.